This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Online Enquirer podcast. Took us a little longer this week to get Mike Kotua on, but I'm happy we got him going into a weekend. Mike, we have so much to talk about here on the Online Enquirer podcast. Um, King Kofi is returning to college basketball. A long-awaited return after a three-game suspension. A huge recruiting win for Brad Underwood. Want to ask you a little bit about that. And a big-time tournament in Kansas City, uh, kind of the focal point of this non-conference for Illinois. But first, we got to bring it up Monday. A disappointing loss, no matter how you look at it, 67-66. To a Marquette team that, hey, Daryl Marcel, uh, we can qualify him as a line-eye killer now. But I'm going to give you the floor right away. No, Kofi Coburn wasn't there, uh, but still, as a former player, as a, as a coach, what do you kind of take away from that if, you, if you're a part of the Illini program? <sighs> Too many self-inflicted wounds. I mean, that really ended up being the story. Um, 26 turnovers, shot selection at times, um, three to four fouls that were 85 to 90 feet away from the basket. Uh, it's just it's hard to win that way. It is. Um, especially on the road, right? Especially on the road against a high major opponent, against an opponent that is trying to find their identity, uh, against an opponent that has now has a coach that his identity has been creating that, you know, no pun intended havoc, uh, like Shaka Smart has done in the past. And, you know, and especially without your, your national player of the year candidate, um, I thought that reared its head much more in that game than it did in, in any of the other games pre- prior, but, um, and we'll get into the nuts and bolts of it, but Illinois was the better team. Like they, they're, they're the better team. Um, and it would be a completely different story if this was one of those, man, we just don't have the guys, right? Like we don't have enough talent. We don't have enough skill. We don't play hard enough. It's not the case, you know? And, and I think a lot of times that would be way tougher to overcome night in and night out. Um, you know, and, and I think you look at those, those self-inflicted wounds and part of, you, part of you is like, man, the self-inflicted aspect of it just doesn't sit with you well because we did it to ourselves, right? You know, you're thinking that as a coach and a player, like we did this to ourselves. But the other side of that is, you know, okay, well, these are correctable. You know, if we correct these things, we know we correct these things, we win. And just taking that a step further, you can recognize those things, but you got to correct them. Like you got to take that step to correct them. And I, and I think this is, I understand that, that they, they lost that game by one. In my opinion, that was the only way Marquette was going to win that game was by one point. Um, they desperately wanted Illinois to win that game uh, in a lot of different ways. And I, and I just think that there's something about losing where if you win that game 68 to 67, this team is mature enough to understand that there are still things to work on, that they could have thrown that game away. But there's a certain feeling associated with losing that just 
you can, you truly look at yourself in, in the mirror and you're real with yourself. Um, that certain things that happened in that game, it's almost like, Hey, you know, the basketball gods were like 26 turnovers, you know, some of the late game play, like I can't allow you to win this game. I'm sorry. Um, and I think that ends up being the story, but like you said, you get Kofi back and now you, you, you transition to Kansas city and you take what you can, you learn from it and you just, you, you turn the page and you focus on Cincinnati. Yeah, Mike, uh, my question, sometimes it feels like fans want us to yell at coaches or, or players after these games. It's like, that's not our job. Our job is to get you know answers, like insight. And my question to Brad was, it wasn't like, do you bench Andre Curbelo at the end of that game? Because he's your point guard. He's your high use guy. He's got to have the ball in his hands for this team. And plus, he's got to learn some of these things that he's going to need to know in big Ten play. So I asked him, what do you, what do you need Andre to learn? Because obviously this was a, right. a rough game from him. So what do you think he needs to learn from probably his worst performance, especially as a key part of this team? Yeah, I think you can certainly say it was his, it was his worst performance. And, and Andre Curbelo would probably tell you it's his worst performance. I think that's, that's the key, right? And I, I'm very passionate about the subject of taking the ball out of his hands late game. And I'll get into that, but the, the step that I think Andre Curbelo can take, we, we know what he's capable of. We know his abilities. There's just no denying that. Preseason All-League, preseason All-American. And, and to me, that's all warranted. Yeah, I, I don't think that was people being prisoners of the moment or just kind of over-projecting. I think he is 100% capable of that, and he's going to be on a team that's going to achieve a lot of great things. But you can't <laughs> – he had too many opponents against Marquette, and that's, that's the best way that I can put it, is when you create – you already have – enough stacked against you when you go on the road, right? When you play against a, a team that is itching for, for a signature win on the road, right? You already have that opponent and that's hard enough. But when you make yourself an opponent, when you make the officials an opponent, you put too much on your plate for a guy that is counted on to steer the ship, right? And, and I think, you know, you, you look at, at the, I think you saw the common theme was that he has to trust his teammates. And I think that can be – there's a bit of a misconception there. And the way that I read it is, yeah, in certain moments, it's not just trusting your teammates. We're like, hey, you're taking the shot and you need to pass the ball. That's just – that's at a very basic level of trusting your teammates. For him at times, the problem that he can run into when it comes to trusting his teammates is he wants to make the pass from his angle – as opposed to making the pass to someone else who has a better angle. And maybe it's like a, I want this to be my assist. I, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes through a player's head, but for a guy like Andre Corbello with the, with the abilities that he has, this is, this is another point that I'll make. When you're on a really good team, right? Your, your, your poor performances can be, you know, can be masked a little bit because you have other good players. Right. Trent steps up. Coleman Hawkins steps up. And sometimes, you know, you can fall for thinking that your poor play can be covered up by these other good players. Not as a point guard. Not as a point guard. Like, that's just not how it works. You and I think sometimes it takes a little bit to understand this is understanding how much power you have as the point guard, as the guy with the ball in his hands. And you saw on full display where if those powers aren't used, it, you know, in a way that benefits the team, it, it can sink the ship. But at this, but on the flip side of that, this guy has all the talent in the world 
to when he uses when he uses those powers for good, his team can achieve a lot of really good things. You're, you're making it sound like with great power comes great responsibility, Mike. <laughs> that's, that's what it sounds. Exactly to me, right. it felt like Mike he wanted to prove that he's an All American. Like it, it felt like he wanted to prove he's Io. And he just has to be Curbelo, right? And, and I think there's a growing process. Curbelo or uh, Io dealt with this. He had some bad performances late in games early in his career. I remember Cassius Winston coming into State Farm Center and, and having nine turnovers in, in a loss where they were a top 10 team. So uh, these are going to happen. It's just how do you, how do you come back from them? Uh, so I'm really interested to see that. To, to me, Mike, it did feel like, and the Marquette crowd was good. Um, it was a really cool setup with the students on kind of both ends, uh, both baskets. Um, but it looked like the first game for Curbelo and Hawkins in front of a crowd, like a, of a real true road crowd. And did you see that? Did you think that played a role at all? Yeah, I think I'll give, I'll give a player a pass on that for like the first couple, you know, six to eight minutes because it's jarring. You know, like it, it's a shell shock, especially when you haven't, dealt with it at the college level yet but to me that wasn't the story with Andre Curbelo and maybe the crowd factors into it but he lost his mind he lost his mind in the second half and 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 if you stick around for the film breakdown I'll show you the exact moment it happened Mm. uh where it really went south but um no I mean and you could see Coleman Hawkins was sped up you know at the beginning he was turning over a little bit but Coleman Hawkins here's the difference Coleman Hawkins can be a loose cannon at times too, but his, but that's kind of built into his role. He's the fly around guy, keep balls alive. And like, you can have that sort of makeup as your personality, but as the point guard, you can't have that. So the louder the crowd gets, the more they get on you. Like you can't make, have these personal vendettas out, you know, to prove people wrong. And you saw that. I thought he, and this is, this is where he last year compared to this year, you see a lot more predetermining, what he's going to do on a possession where last year I thought he had a lot more, you know, inventiveness where it was like, I am reading the defense and making the play. Now you start, and this is the part that we're, you know, you, when you have more responsibility, especially as a scorer, you, you start to try to find that balance, right? Okay. Like, do I need to score this possession? Do I need to, but it still all comes back to reading what's there and being okay with the good pass and not trying to prolong things to get the great one. Cause it may not happen. Um, and it may turn into a turnover, but I'll make this point before we transition and before we, we move on the, the, get the ball out of his hands at the end of the game narrative. This is, this is something I'm very passionate about with Andre Curbelo. This is much less of a, get the ball out of his hands thing and much more of a, just make the simple play thing. And with a guy that has that type of ability, you know, preseason, all league preseason, all American, you'd much rather just you know, have to rely on him to do those things because he's proven that he can do it as opposed to trying to move things around, right, get him off the ball. Get, that's, that's too much. And, and you have teammates, you, you heard Trent after the game, they trust him, mm-hmm. you know, and they want the ball in his hands at the end of the game too. And here, here's the way that you have to look at it. You want the ball in your hands. You want the, the ball in the hands of the person that commands the most attention at the end of the game. And that's in no matter how you feel about it, that's Andre Curbelo. It is. And in order to hit a shot at the end, to get the look that you're looking for at the end, what guy can get two guys to commit? And we saw that he's capable of doing that because about three of his turnovers were from just trying to dribble through said guys. So at the end of a game, can you have a guy on the floor that can get multiple people to commit 
and get you the shot that you want. And, and I'll walk through it. Okay. Let's say you want Trent. Cause I, I heard a lot of like, get the ball in Trent's hands and we can't even, mistake, even, like, I, even my, I said, Mike, he's got to have a touch on a possession, right? Like, for sure. I, I, I didn't think Trent needs to have the ball and create for himself, but like at some point I thought Trent or Jacob Grandison need to have the ball in their hands on one of these possessions. For sure. And I think you're exactly right. I think the way that you can do that is utilizing Andre Curbelo in a way that, that commands that attention, right? He draws the guys and then it's on him to make that read as a coach. Like that's not on the coaches. You have a player on the floor that, that just has that, has that much gravity. You put him in a position to deal with that pressure and make the play. And here's the thing, right? Let's say the roles reversed, right? Okay. We want Trent Frazier with the ball in his hands and taking the last shot at the end of the game. If it's a one, four low, if you have four guys on the baseline, maybe that works, right? You let Trent dance a little bit and then he takes a shot. Is that like Trent's strength? Is that his greatest strength? It's not, but is he capable of doing it? Yeah. But here's the thing. If you run anything else that brings other bodies towards Trent, now the guy that you wanted to take the shot has to give the ball up. So you put it in Andre Curbelo's hands because if he now, if he's off the ball, now you have a 14% three-point shooter that a guy can help off. So if he makes the read, okay, let's walk through it. He makes the read. Two guys commit. Now you may have an open shot for Trent Frazier. But let's say Daryl Marcel's guarding him. So now the open shot goes to Coleman Hawkins, goes to Grandison. And putting a team in rotation is so important for a last-second shot because not only are you in a position, let's say you take the shot with four seconds left, five seconds left, three seconds left. That shot goes up, and because they're in rotation, now you're in a position to get offensive rebounds. Coleman so Hawkins he, does pretty well. <laughs> which he And Jacob Grandison does really well. Kofi does that really well. So – it's not just about like, hey, needs to be this guy, needs to be taking the last shot. It's how can, how can we create as many options as possible for ourselves? And to me, that starts with Andre Corbello having the ball in his hands because he's the one that's going to command the attention. Yeah, great stuff. I, I want to mention Trent. Um, I think the story of the game would have been just how valuable he is. I, I think we talk about it defensively, but when Corbello has an off night and say Kofi's there, if Kofi's there, they win that game, Mike. I, obviously, uh, there were a lot of, you know, inside touches that I think Kofi would have finished during that game. So um, it's just what a luxury to have another guy who can go for 20 when you need it. We saw it last year when Iowa was out and, and we saw it again the other night. I, I mean, we don't talk about him enough as, as potentially, I don't know if it's second team, but he could be a third team, all big 10 guy. I, I mean, he's, he's good enough defensively and offensively to be one of the better players, you know, top 20 players in the big 10. Well, honorable mention last year, right? You know, he's, he's right there. And you just see – he was sensational. He was sensational in that game. And, and part of what makes Trent really special – obviously, we talk about his ability to defend, his ability to, to still be more than a net positive offensively. But it comes from his focus. And, and, that's, and I think that's something that, that Andre Corbello – I don't want to keep going back to Andre Corbello, but it's something that I think he can learn from Trent is the reason why Trent is just so dialed in at all times is because he doesn't let calls dictate. I mean, he had a call in the first half. He gets over a screen or he's dribbling a ball. He comes over a screen more so like sweep the leg and took his leg out. I mean, it should have been a foul. There's no question about it. Go back and look, should have been a foul. Trent falls to the ground. They call it travel. Trent like may have it an, an initial, like, but give the ball back to the ref, get back on defense. Cause he knows he's got to lock back in for that end because of how much he's counted on that end. So we talk about the maturation. We talk about him going from 
scorer his freshman year to defensive stalwart, you know, really from then on. But I think it really does like he's so talented offensively. Mm-hmm. And, and really, he'll, he'll, he has the ball in his hands. I can't really think of a better secondary ball handler to have because, and he had a few, he had a few turnovers, obviously the, the big one at the end. And he had one in the first half where he tried to throw a hook pass all the way across the court and it went into, you know, went into the A section. But he, he just, he makes quick plays. And I think part of that just comes from Trent knowing who he is. And that's, that's so important. Like you cannot have enough guys on your team. And, and that's Jacob Grandison too. That's a couple of them. They know who they are and they know what their limitations are. And if you go back and watch the game, every decision that Trent made off a of ball screen was in one and a half to two seconds, right? Because the more he knows, the more that he prolongs that, the more trouble you can get into, the more the floor shrinks, the more guys recover. So it's like, boom, come off a screen, hit the back action, come off a screen, hit the roll guy. And he had a couple, couple plays that were just the simple plays. They were the right plays. And I thought, you know, I mean, he only had he only had two assists in the game, but I thought he just made the right reads that led to other plays. And, you know, he's just been so such a calming influence, steady influence, I mean, whatever you want to call it. And he's a guy that truly uh, they're going to miss him. Mm-hmm. They're going to miss him a lot, man. I mean, he just he covers up so much defensively. It's like Draymond in a way. It's like these guys. You know, he just – he doesn't get screened. He's always in the right spot. He knows when to gamble, when not to gamble. Like, he's just he, – he's an outstanding basketball player, man. All right, it's three games in, Mike, so I don't want to overreact. Uh, Jacob Grandison took about ten games really to get into the mix here. Um, knowing that, do you have any concerns about Omar Payne or Alfonso Plummer as, as we see more and more of them? Uh, I'll start with Omar. I thought – you know, I know he was the, the three for three, seven points, couple block shots. Like that's, I mean, that's pretty much what you want from Omar Payne. Um, I I don't really see him being a guy that's going to give you like 15 in a game or, you know, he's not like a, a, like a 12 rebound type of guy because typically he's doing the dirty work trying to either block a guy out or test a shot around the rim. Um, but, but I feel like I keep going back to Curbelo. But a lot of the turnovers that Omar Payne had in that game, he just was put in a tough spot. Like, like you, you got to understand personnel. We've seen that Omar Payne's strong suit is not having the ball at that elbow perimeter. Like, he's just not – that's not his strong suit. So but, – but he's another guy that I think for the most part just kind of knows who he is. Yeah. Um, I don't I see him – That was his him, best game. That was his best game, yeah. For sure. I, I thought that was exactly what you need him as. Like, he sent – you know, he sent one of the ball – he sent one of the shot blocks into the uh, – block shots into the stands, basically, and, um, you know, finished, finished a couple dunks. You know, wasn't just forcing stuff around the rim. Didn't have many opportunities to do it, but but I don't think he cares about that. That's I mean that's that's what I keep going back to with guys that that know who they are. Now Alfonso Plummer is a different story. Um, he needs to find a way to be more effective on the defensive end because if he's not making shots and he's not serving as that microwave off the bench, he then ends up just kind of being a net negative, um, right? And, and I think at the defensive end, he's capable. And we talked about before, like you watch the clips at Utah, it's just kind of like a focus thing. It's kind of just, hey, put yourself in a position to be successful. Um, I think Alfonso Plummer, and this is, this is kind of how I had to combat in college, you know, my freshman year I, in practice, like guarding Ravante, guarding Kendrick, guarding a lot of these guys, I had to figure out a way. 
like I just had to figure out a way because it was never going to be head up one-on-one like damn Mike's locking them up but the thing that changed everything for me was taking charges on the ball and what I realized was and Alfonso Plummer is something that he can do you just have to be better on two two slides that's it you may not keep up with them for four or five slides they might get around you but if you can cut off an angle in two slides they will do the rest and that's, that's just what happened. Like Ravante and Malcolm, these guys, when I would guard them, you slide twice, find the angle, they'll run you over. Mm-hmm. And you know what ends up happening? They don't want to drive on you again because they don't want to get another foul. Mm-hmm. And if you can become that guy where you're, where you're taking charges on the ball, you're in the right position, you can become more effective as a defender because he's just uh, – he's shown time and time again that he's the guy that, like, keeps trying to, like – rides you all the way to the basket and you're either getting fouled or laying it in. So find a way, you know, find a way. And, and, and obviously he's not, he hasn't been the best making decisions off the ball like or with the ball in his hands. We've known that. So just settling in, playing your role, knocking down shots and then finding a way defensively to, to, to make an impact. Yeah. And I, I was a little bit bothered. I mean, he hit the one off the side of the backboard, which is never a great sign for your, your best shooter, but he was hesitant after that. And they can't have him hesitant offensively because as you said, he doesn't bring enough otherwise. Um, I, this is fun. I guess it's not fun with small sample size, but maybe it's too small of a sample size. But Demonte Williams bringing a lot defensively, bringing a lot on the glass. He prolonged so many possessions. But four of 20 shooting through three games, one of five from three. Any concern there? We, I mean, we talked about it. I mean, this is when you start a season like he did last year, 10 for 15, you're playing with house money. Yep. And, and I don't know if this is – Here's the thing, and I'm, I'm not saying that DeMonte Williams is like percentage conscious because I, I don't know him well enough to know if that's – but I know a lot of players that are. Mm-hmm. And when you know that like another over 2 night sends you back, you know, another down another 3%, another 2%, like guys can end up thinking about that. I don't, I don't, I don't really – DeMonte doesn't strike me as a guy that yep. really thinks about that. But I think it's just – it has to be a mindset of, hey – seeing what I'm capable of shooting the ball and you know, I, I can do that and I can step in and knock it down, but I'll make the point when Kofi's not on the floor, there are less open shots out there. Yep. Right. And when Curbelo's not making plays for others, there's just less open shots out there. And a lot of his shots, we I mean, talk about like, I want to go back. I, I think it was the IUP game. One of those threes that he hit, maybe it was, maybe it was in the opener against Jackson state. But one of the threes that he hit was like dribbling to the right guy draped on him, like right wing shooting, like a fadeaway. Like that's not, you're not going to shoot a high percentage when those are the shots that you're getting. So, you know, I don't think there's any cause for concern because the thing that DeMonte Williams is doing is making it up in other areas. Whereas just like for Alfonso Plummer, you know, if you're not making shots, what else are you doing? And DeMonte, you know, 11 rebounds, four that he kept alive, really tough foul at the end. 90 feet away from the basket again. Um, but again, more positive than negative, negative with him. But he's always going to be a guy that's doing those little things. And those are things that you can count on, you know, but, but he really, he does need to be a guy that, that isn't, you know, hesitating on three point shots. You've shown that you can make them. And, and when you are open, step up and, and knock them down. Yeah, it's a guy you just don't want us to zero uh, points offensively, right? He's a guy you want three to six somewhere in there. Could, he's better. Yeah. He's better yeah. than that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and one last thing. 
it's weird to say this, but I thought it was kind of odd. Luke Goody played only one minute because I felt like he could have calmed things down. <laughs> like, I don't know if that's because I'm in the Luke Goody fan club, but just you needed some offense. I, I don't think he would have been hesitant uh, to shoot. And, and I just thought you needed some, some energy. Were, were you surprised you only played one minute? No, uh, I, I wasn't surprised. I mean, I'm a, I'm, I'm in the Luke Goody fan club as well. And, and honestly, it was weird when he, the one press break, the one press that he broke, you know, he caught it on the sideline and just kind of calmly made a pass up the sideline and got him into their offense. And, you know, I'm not going to take just that and be like, right. why don't you play him 20 minutes? Right. But I mean, that's just what happens in those types of games. Rotation shrinks a little bit. I mean, I talked about it. Like you can talk about having nine to 10 guys. It's seven or eight. It always is. Um, and someone's going to be the odd man out. And, you know, you, you err on the side of experience. DeMonte played 31 minutes. I mean, that's He's kind of in that Luke Goody minute category where, you know, that's that's his position in a way. And um, But you wrote, they really rode that those starters and they rode DeMonte and, and you kind of had to go with experience in that game. You know, whether, whether Luke Goody was going to be such a positive where you have to keep him in for 18 to 20 minutes, I don't know. Um, probably not likely, um, you know, so, so those minutes really did kind of go to DeMonte because you're, you're going to have Hawkins on the floor. You're going to have Grandison on the floor. So it's just, it's a matter of who do you want out there? And like I said, in those, those hostile environments, you kind of want to err on the side of experience. Yeah, especially that defense. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road with available h-track all-wheel drive and three-row seating my whole family can head deep into the wild conquer the weekend in the all-new hyundai santa fe visit hyundaiusa.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, Mike, uh, Kofi is back. Um, the All-American Center, Big Ten preseason player of the year, has served his three-game suspension. He will be back to play against Cincinnati on Monday night in the Hall of Fame Classic. How do you think this looks immediately? Is, is there any rust, do you think, or is this just Kofi taking the world by storm? Uh, I mean, there's it changes a lot. Um, go back and watch any Illinois film from – over the years, I mean, a lot of what they run is to get into a high-low scenario um, and, and how much that opens up. We talk about it all the time. He may not get the ball in a post-touch, but the defense is so sucked in to help. That's what opens up DeMonte Williams shooting wide-open shots. That's what opens up 42% Jacob Grandison from three. And, and I don't really see, you know, you're integrating a guy that is just an unbelievable post presence. It'd be a whole different point, a whole different thing if you're implementing a guy that literally has the ball in his hands. Like if Curbelo is out for four games and then you're trying to bring him back in, that's different because now whoever was handling the ball for those games, it's complete. It's just a completely different uh, person handling it. Uh, now you just integrate a guy where, and you'll see in the film breakdown, 
Curbelo was a little bit reluctant to make some passes into the post, whereas he's not as reluctant with, with Kofi. And then he did make some passes that turned into turnovers that maybe Kofi ends up putting in or dunking. And we talk about all the time, you know, Kofi, a double team on Kofi is advantage Kofi. I'll, I'll say that till the cows come home. I mean, it just is. And, um, you know, it, it leads to higher percentage shots. It leads to higher percentage outside shots, inside shots. It's just he brings so much to the table offensively by just being a presence. And, and defensively, too. Uh, you know, I think Omar Payne, he probably has even a little bit more of a propensity to go and try to get that weak side block than Kofi does. Kofi does it, too. But, you know, Kofi's sheer size and not only just blocking shots, altering shots, it just it raises your level of play and, and, and how dangerous you can be as a team. It's unbelievable. And he, and he really does. I mean, I, I think he elevates Curbelo's game. He elevates Trent's game. And he is a guy that has that type of gravity, just like Curbelo does on the perimeter a little bit, handling the ball, getting guys to commit. He does the same thing in the post. And when you can have two guys like, two guys like that, you're, I mean, that's, that's why, you're a, you know, why last year you're a top 10 offensive team in the country and I'm eager to see him and Coleman play off each other right I mean we've seen really good I know there was first half struggles against Marquette in a bad turnover in the fourth quarter or in the, the second half last game but I mean Coleman really settled in the Marquette and he's been really good uh early on in the season so how do you think those two play off each other Mike I don't think it's going to be an issue at all I think and that's part of the reason because Coleman Hawkins game is predicated on activity and that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter who's on the floor. Right. Being active is just being active. He's he's going to keep balls alive. He's, you know, he's just a he's a right place, right time guy. Um, we saw a couple of those balls get batted around in the first half against Marquette. It's like, oh, you know, who came up with it? Right there in front of the basket for a dunk for you know Coleman Hawkins. And um, I think it's going to give him an opportunity to give you more open looks. And and he seems to be confident shooting them. I mean, they're up nine against Marquette. He buries one to put him up twelve off a really simple Andre Curbelo look. Stribble, commit, kick. Um, so he's going to have all the opportunity in the world because he creates that for himself without needing the ball. So it really doesn't matter who you integrate into the lineup. He's going to be active, and he's going to he's always going to reap the the benefits of that. All right, Mike. Uh, more high major opponents here at this tournament. You get to see more of Illinois, and of course, with its best player back, Cincinnati is their first game on Monday. Uh, Cincinnati four and zero. Really haven't you know? They beat Georgia by five points. Georgia's one sixty six in the campaign. They beat Evansville, Alabama A and M, and Presbyterian. So, not much competition, but they've won all four of their games. What are you expecting against Cincinnati? I mean, they're relatively untested. Uh, you can certainly say that. But again, here we are, first year coach trying to implement his culture, trying to get guys playing hard. Cincinnati, I mean, Cincinnati's always going to scrap. It uh, doesn't matter if it's Huggins, if it's Cronin, whoever's, whoever's at the helm there. That's just kind of their identity. It always has been. Um, so it's a good, I mean, I think Marquette was a pretty good precursor for this game. Uh, it's going to be a lot of the same. They've shown some token pressure, full court. Who knows? They may watch the film and say, this is what we're going to do uh, when they look at the 26 turnovers. But, you know, their, their team right now, it's, a, it's an early sample size, but they're, you know, their defense is solid. Um, and I think the tempo, the, the time of possession that they have defensively is attributed to, you know, they're solid. They're solid on that end. Um, but a lot of parts that they're trying to integrate, you know, they got a lot out of the transfer portal. Um, I think at one point they had like six scholarship players 
before they had to bring in just kind of a new wave of guys. So they're certainly not going to be at their apex as a team. So you take advantage of that, right? And and it's a neutral floor. Uh, I'm assuming that just as Illinois fans do, they're going to travel well. Um, but this team has some talent, and it certainly isn't a game that's just going to be a rule. I mean, if last game was any indication, they're, you, know, you, start, you play a high-major opponent, really anything's on the table. But I, I do like what Kofi – what Kofi can do in this game. Um, Cincinnati has some length, but at the same time, we, you see time and time again, I'm not sure that really matters for, for the national, uh, national player of the year candidate. Mike, before I let you go, uh, it was a big week. Uh, Illinois had some good news later. Ty Rogers signed with Illinois top 60 prospect or top 65 prospect nationally. Um, six foot six, 200 pounds, really versatile, loves his defense spread under what does. Um, what, just what do you think about what Brad Underwood's doing in recruiting and what you think this class can add with Jaden Epps and Sear Harris? Yeah, I think you, you hear throughout the week, you know, a lot of the it's trend. Illinois is a trendy, you know, trendy school now. Um, and that, that comes from winning and sustaining your, the, the winning. And they've done that over the years. And that, that's that's part of the reason how you get it done. And the other the other way, too, is when you're recruiting really, really good players like Illinois is. And I would assume it certainly helps. Um, I mean, that's probably one of the best use cases out there. And, and part of that is not, you know, it's not like I would assume is the first NBA player to get drafted from Illinois, but it's different than a Myers Leonard, you know, Myers Leonard, just from his, the way he was projected and his measurables. I mean, Myers Leonard was going to the NBA no matter what. Right. Um, and I'll give Myers credit. He improved an incredible amount when he was at Illinois. Um, but I would assume who, you know, when he came in, it wasn't necessarily like surefire one and done. And what that wasn't, he developed. And a lot of that was, was, you know, him and that Illinois program and the way that they meshed, you know, it was just, it was just kind of a match made in heaven for his development and Chicago kid, right. That's playing for the bulls. That's, there's a lot of marketability there. And you look at the guys that they, that they have, I mean, Jaden Epps can, <laughs> I mean, the dude can fill it up. Um, really talented. He's, he's, he kind of just looks like one of those guards in the big 10 that as a lead guard, as a guy that can maneuver ball screens that can get buckets. Like those are, those are actually the, the teams that have hurt Illinois over the years. You, you look over you know, a few years back when you're, you're adding up all of Illinois losses in, in the year, it's like, okay, Nico Mannion, all right, Cassius Winston, Anthony Cowan, like all these guys that are lead guards that can score it. You know, that's a guy that you can add that can do that. And whether or not he's playing alongside Curbelo, like you can make that work because if Trent Frazier's leaving, he's still doing a little bit of that right now. So you, you insert another guy that can, that can score and, and just has that kind of dog mentality. I mean, you talk about that all the time. Since your hair is the same thing, you know, same type of thing, really good pedigree. Um, you know, he's coming from St. Vincent, St. Mary, one of the, one of the best schools in, in the country, notable alumni for sure uh lebron james and uh yeah and, and ty rogers massive get um, you can't those type of guys right like the six seven 200 pounds long um that's all great and you can fall in love with skill um because he's certainly skilled but the thing that makes ty rogers ty rogers is just <laughs> it's another dog like that's another guy that is brings you so much versatility defensively and who he can guard uh can guard a small, can guard a big. I mean, he can, he can really do it all. And, and he's, you're putting in a position, you know, just three guys that can make immediate impact. Um, and, and when I say immediate impact, it's not necessarily each one of them is going to come in and, and average double digits. That's not, that's not what you think about when you think about immediate impact. Immediate impact is 
Now, I look at Luke Goody as a potential immediate impact guy because in his freshman year, he's a guy that's in the right spots, plays hard. You know, that's the impact that you can make, especially when you have other talented players on the team. But if Kofi's gone, if Corbello's gone, that impact could be even greater. So um, it always starts with recruiting, right? And, and I know transfer portals kind of – I'm not saying it's made recruiting lesser because you can go out and get game-ready players, but it's still the foundation, right? I would assume Trent Frazier. I mean, it's still the foundation. Andre Corbello, Kofi. I mean, those are guys that they didn't transfer in, right? So you, you these are kind of homegrown guys in a sense that, that you know, you churn them out, whether – Corbello or Kofi goes off to the NBA. Um, those are just more use cases for, for a team that's really, really turned into a, a winning program here over the last few years. And they, there's, a, there's a storied tradition, obviously, but here in the last few years, certainly they've sustained that. Yeah, and the thing like, I think is underrated about the Brad Underwood era is, is those guys you're talking about have stayed for three years or four years. And if you get that, it's just that sustainability becomes a lot easier. And that's what we see with Purdue, Michigan State for the most part. I know they've had their one-and-dones, but uh, they just have guys, Xavier Tillman, Cassius Winston, that are this there year after year, uh, I think is, is just invaluable. And, and those seem like guys, Mike, that can do it. And as you said, you keep winning. You keep winning 20-plus games, making tournaments every year then you're more likely to get the higher ranked guy and maybe add a five star in here at some point. Well, I think the, you hit the nail on the head guys that stay for two, three, sometimes four years. That's what prevents you from being a flash in the pan, right? The one off season that kind of looks like an aberration where you went to a sweet 16 or you won 25 games. This is how you stack 20 win seasons. And, and, and the point that I'll make about it is if you have, I would for just his freshman year, if you have, Kofi for just his freshman year, Carmelo for just his freshman year. These are guys that when they're second, third year players, the incoming freshmen look at them, right? And if they embody the things that you want out of your program, then those freshmen, when they are juniors and seniors, when they're sophomores, then the incoming class, they already embody those things because the guys before them have. Like that's tradition, that's culture. Um, you know, that's Villanova. That's a lot of these schools who do it year after year because these guys stay and the new wave that comes in, you know, it's either you, you get with it or get lost. Like, and I think that's kind of been the story over the years and how you see, how you've seen this culture grow. Um, and obviously it's coincided with some winning. Michael Tupp, you're the goods, man. We'll have a lot to talk about again next week with uh, the hall of fame classic and, and heading into the uh, Thanksgiving weekend and a, uh, a big ACC Big Ten Challenge game after that. Uh, Arizona in the coming weeks. Get to know a lot more about this team with their All-American back as well. Uh, VIP film room for you VIP members. We're going to talk Andre Curbelo in his game, so be tuned for that. But, uh, Mike, appreciate it as always, and we'll talk to you next week, man. All right, man. Appreciate it. Great stuff as always from Mike Latulip. Great insight as always from the former Illini. And if you want more from Mike Latulip, you can get it. If you're a VIP member, we just did a VIP film breakdown where Mike takes you through and you can see visually where Andre Curbelo's night went so wrong. Mike broke down some good clips of Andre, but also where uh, Andre Curbelo, as he put it, lost his mind and why. Uh, he got frustrated and, and didn't make such good plays and, and only stuff that uh, Mike can really give us. So if you're not a VIP member, it's just $1 for your first month of VIP membership. And for you cyber shoppers, cyber Monday shoppers, we're going to have a heck of a deal for you. Uh, so stay tuned to that as well. But thank you as always for listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast. Joy Wagner and I in Cedar Rapids, Iowa right now. We're going to cover 
Iowa football against Illinois. Illinois without Brett Bielema. So we'll have a post-game podcast after that. And Derek Piper and I will be in Kansas City. I'm going straight from Iowa uh, to Kansas City to cover the Hall of Fame Classic with Illinois basketball and Kofi Coburn back for Illinois basketball. So we'll be all over the road this week for you guys. We appreciate the support that allows us to do that. So stay, stay tuned to the Illini Enquirer podcast. We'll have plenty of reaction and analysis to everything that happens with Illinois over this busy, busy month of November. So thank you for listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast. Give us a follow, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and review. We appreciate that as well. But until next time, everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Enquirer podcast. show is fire country i'm not a hero i'm in orange for a reason they're taking 12 months off your sentence you're free lady with a special epic season finale now that i'm out i need something to get me up in the morning you are a firefighter used to be that will be unforgettable in the name of your life's happiness go get your girl she's getting married tomorrow says when do you let anything get in the way of what you want the fire country season finale tonight 9 8 central on cbs and streaming on paramount plus